Good morning. All right, so we're reading from Micah, chapter 6, verse 8 this morning. Mankind, he has told you what is good and what it is the Lord requires of you, to act justly, to love faithfulness, and to walk humbly with your God. And also Galatians, chapter 5, verses 16 through 25. I say then, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is against the Spirit, and the Spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposed to each other, so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatreds, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and anything similar. I tell you about these things in advance, as I told you before, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, we must also follow the Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Well, it's great to be with you this morning. Um, I'm so glad to be, Avril and I are so glad to be back at Brookwood Baptist and to share the word of God with you. And uh, we love this church and the partnership we have with this church. Thank you to the church leadership. Thank you to each of you who've been to Cape Town and who think and pray for us. Thank you to Pastor Jim and Deanna for their love and our hosts for this weekend, uh, Jody and Nancy Martin, uh, great friends too. We really appreciate you as a church, your prayers, your financial support, and your participation in serving God with us. We were placed right at the very bottom of Africa. Let me tell you something. In South Africa, believe it or not, Southern Baptists don't exist. For whatever reason, they haven't got there yet. But if you look at the geography of the map, we are literally at the tip of Africa. We are the last Baptist church in Africa, quite literally. So, guess what? I come from the most Southern Baptist church in Africa. So there you go. Another type of Southern Baptist here we are. But thank you, guys. We love and appreciate you so much. Have you ever wished that Jesus would just show up and say, my child, you know what? I'm going to make Christian life simple for you. I'll give you two or three things you've got to do, and that's it. I mean, I've always longed for just, Jesus, tell me simply what you want me to do. Let's not get complicated. Just give me the Christian life. Give me two or three instructions so that I know how to live. I'm sure many of us have often said, Oh, God, what do you want me to do? I don't know what to do. Well, I believe the scripture that we have today, I say this carefully, is exactly what Jesus would say if he was here in person today. But through his spirit, he will teach us from his word how then we should live and how God 
requires us to walk with His Spirit. What does the Spirit of God require of you? That's the question I want to try and answer. As you move through these studies on the Holy Spirit, what is it that the Holy Spirit wants? I mean, it can all sound so complicated. Is there something simple that I can hear God on? And Micah 6, 8, which was read to us, gives it to us. And I want you to read it with me as we look at this uh, scripture. Let's read it together. This is what the Lord requires of you, to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Did you notice that that verse does not say, this is what the Lord asks you to do if you feel like it. It says, this is what the Lord, what's the word? Let me hear that. Requires of you. It's a requirement. Now, if you turn 16, you can get a driver's license. And it is a requirement of this country that if you want to drive a car, you must have a license. If a traffic officer stops you, you can't say, Oh, you know what? I didn't really feel it was necessary. I couldn't care about a driver's license. I just need to drive. It's no issue. He says, I'm sorry. It is a requirement. This is not an option that you can think about. That is, of course, only until Google drives us. And shortly, sooner or later, Google will drive us, and we won't need a driver's license. And so even people at 95 will be able to get in the car, speak to it, and say, go there, and it will. But until then, it is a requirement that you have a driver's license. Now, here, from the Word of God today, is God's requirements for your life, not an ask. If I were to say, and I did this in the first service, so I'm going to do it again. If I were to say, to my wife, of, oh, you know what? Uh, be nice if I had some water in the pulpit, and I'd ask you to think about it. That's one thing. If I were to use authority, which uh, I think 99% of the time I don't do, but if I were to say, wife, I require you immediately to bring me a bottle of water. There you go. Yes, sir. Um, it is. She has no options. It is a requirement. It's a huge difference between an ask and a requirement. There's nothing to pray about. You just got to do it. Just Nike it. Just do it. And so, what are the three things? that the Spirit of God would say to us this morning. The first one, he says, my child, here is my first requirement for you to live the Christian life. Firstly, act justly. Act justly. Now, what does that mean? Simply, these two words. Well, acting justly means you have the quality of being fair and kind to everyone. 
That word justly means fairness or kindness. It isn't the justice that if you go to court that the judge would say, you have committed a crime. It's not that judgment. It is the, the justice of being fair and kind. In fact, it's an Old Testament word, mishpat. Act mishpatly. And it is only used, if you head off to seminary one day and Pastor Jim teaches you or somebody teaches you Hebrew, you will find it is only used, mishpat, next to nine different words, always in the context of the poor and the needy. A hundred percent of the time, it is used in the Old Testament, because it's a Hebrew word, it's always in the context of the poor and needy. Here are the nine times this word, mishpat, or justly, is used. It is used with the widow. Associated with the widow, the fatherless, the orphan, the poor, the hungry, the needy, the weak, the refugee, and the oppressed. Only in those nine words can you act mishpatly according to what the Spirit of God teaches us. It's only used in that context. So, you can sum that up. You act justly or compassionately or fairly or kindly to the poor and the needy. Now, I know I say poor funny. You, how do you say it, poor? I say poor, but nevertheless, God says to you today, my child, let me get rid of this thing because I can hear I'm making, I ask my wife or should I require her to come to the stage? <laughs> <laughs> she volunteered. <laughs> All right. Only in these nine occasions are we called upon, are we, we required. So, the Christian life, first thing that is a must, is you have to be fair to the poor and the needy. Now, I live in a country where we have a different level of poverty to the U.S. I mean, radically different. Where people live in 10 foot by 12 foot shanties, a whole family lives there, the wind blows in, the rain blows in, it's corrugated iron, and they are packed densely. Where we, where we work and minister, 40,000 people live in two square miles. Not in high-rises, all on the ground. We live in opportunity land. And it's difficult to always act justly because we can almost get vaccinated against the poor and the needy. There are just so many needs, so many challenges all around us. Lord, what do you want us to do? Well, always, always, Kindly and justly to the poor and the needy. Oh, but Lord, what if he's a con man? What if he's lying? Act justly. Act with kindness. That is a must from God. 
Now let me say that I think to act mishpatly isn't just handing out a buck here and a buck there and sending it to a missionary. Because charity alone is not the solution to poverty. There are two, two other things that every Christian should be involved in in poverty. And that is the work of advocacy. Seeking to break the chains of injustice. Seeking, according to Isaiah, Isaiah 58, verse 6, it says, Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? To break the chains of injustice. To loose the bondage of people. And we need people who stand up and say, this is wrong, this structural poverty, and this is how we fix it. Very easy to throw stones at the government and say, this is wrong. But you know what God says? The poor and the needy are the church's problem. We say they're the government's problem. God says, you will always have the poor amongst you. You do something about it. Act justly, compassionately, with advocacy, and also, I believe, with economic development. I long for the day in which every missionary would come out as a business person to promote economic development and to start businesses and empower people so that they would be, have the dignity of their own work and their own clothing and their own food and, and everything else. The danger is that we can talk about helping the poor and the needy, but in reality, we walk past them. We become immune to their cries and have a type of a poverty blindness. You know, um, an interesting uh, experiment was done on the streets of New York about two or three years ago where a family member, and you can see this one on, the, on YouTube, dressed up on a homeless, as a homeless person on a New York street. And then what this person did was that they arranged a party for the rest of the family in a restaurant and arranged parking sort of a block down the road for them. And he didn't show up initially. Um, and they all walked past their family member. And although he tried to put the plate out, he was looking dirty and straggly and all of that, not one of them turned to look at him. If one of them had even turned to engage, but they walked past the beggar on the pavement on the way to their family party in the restaurant. And everyone ignored the poor man. And then he walks into the restaurant and takes off his disguise and they go, wow. It's so easy to do that. But God requires. You want to live a spirit-filled Christian life? There's the first requirement, not an option to pray about, not to say, well, you know what, it's not really my gifting, and I'm more gifted to do, no, my child, I require of you, but Lord, uh, you know, uh, I don't have the strength to do that, I require, this is what the Lord requires of you, one, act justly, second requirement, love 
mercy, love, mercy. That's the second thing the Holy Spirit says to us today. So what is mercy? If um, Mishpat is acting with fairness and kindness to the poor and the needy, what is mercy? Well, this is what the theologians tell us. Mercy is pointing all, regardless of their state, to the grace of God as demonstrated in Jesus' death. It is, it doesn't matter if it's the highest level, richest person in the world or the poorest person in the world. It doesn't matter whether it's the highest intellectual, academic you'll ever find or the illiterate person. It doesn't matter whether it's middle class, low class, high class. Everyone, everyone deserves the mercy of God regardless of their current state. In simple words, it's good old-fashioned evangelism. Loving mercy. And I know it's ultimately the Holy Spirit's job to draw people to himself. You and I can't con a person into the kingdom of God. Ultimately, the Spirit of God needs to come and create that hunger and that longing. But you are required to be merciful. Listen to what Jude 22 and 23 back in the Old Testament says, in the New Testament says, be merciful to those who doubt. Save others by snatching them from the fire. To others, show mercy. Now, I know you're good people. And I know that if you were sitting watching television and you saw smoke coming out of your neighbor's house that you would say, oh, you know what, the game here is about to get interesting. Pity my neighbor's house is burning. I hope somebody lets them know. I think their car's there, so they're inside the house. But hang on, this is really important on, on TV here. And then you see the flames coming out. You say, mm-hmm. somebody better tell them. You know what, wife? I think they're still in that house burning. The house is burning and it's not upstairs yet. They don't know, but I hope somebody does something about it. No, you would get up, you would run away from the game or the news or whatever you're watching, and you would say, get out of here quickly. Your house is on fire. You would snatch them. But Scripture tells us, God tells us, the Spirit of God implores us and says, people are on their way to the fires of hell. Snatch them. Be merciful to them. Tell them about the fact that I love them. But instead we say, not really my gift. I don't know how to tell people about Jesus. That's what the pastors are paid for. You know, we employ them to tell others. And My friend, this is a what? Give me the word. Let me hear it. Requirement. It's not an ask. It's not an option for you to pray about. It's not to say, well, I don't have the gift of evangelism. To others, show mercy. In fact, the requirement that the Spirit of God says to you today is, my child, I require you to love being merciful. I require you 
I struggle with witnessing. If we're honest, we all do. Somehow, we're apathetic about sharing the good news. And listen, I know it's not cool today to talk about hell. It's just not politically correct, even in church. But hell is a real place to which your friends go if they haven't come to experience the mercy of Jesus. My friend, if hell, if me using the word hell in church is in any way offensive to you, then let me tell you about one bigger offense. When your loved ones and friends get there, and there is the chasm between heaven and hell that Jesus spoke about. And a man in hell cries out and says, Go tell my brothers and sisters, don't come here. When I was in 11th grade, I had a dream. I was a very sort of hided under a bushel Christian, and my dream was judgment day. And in my dream, my classmates came up to me and said, John, we're going to hell, and you knew, and you never, never, never told us. Why didn't you tell us? You are required to love mercy. To finish that story, a few days later, it was my turn to uh, do an English speech or oral in class, and I got up. Very nervously, I was the quiet little kid in the class, and I, I told them, you're all going to hell. I saw you in my dream, and my English teacher was behind, and I turned around, and I said, and sir, that includes you. You're on your way to hell. I mean, how to make friends and influence people. Um, it was a boys' school. We were all called by our last names. So I was Thomas. From that day on, I became known as Crazy John. And you know what? It was the best thing that happened to me because for the remaining 18 months of my school career, I was unashamedly witnessing because everybody knew I was this crazy guy who believed in hell. To others, show mercy. My child, what do I require of you? Love. Being. Merciful. So, the first of the requirements is acting fairly and kindly to people. It's a doing thing. The second of the requirements is loving mercy. It's a sharing thing. It's a witness thing. Now, where does the Spirit of God fit into this? Acts 1 says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my, can anybody remember the next word? You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and to the ends of the earth. You see, you can say, Lord, as I walk this Christian life, empower me. Simply put, give me the courage to open my mouth. And you know what? As you do that, You'll suddenly find almost words forming on your tongue. You'll think, where did that come from? The Spirit of God 
But you actually have to open your mouth and say something. These two, first two requirements of the Christian life, act justly, love mercy. When you head off to seminary, the theologians, the pastor Jims of this world, tell you there are two characteristics. If we try and summarize this infinite God, we summarize him as God is just and fair, but must punish sin. He's just, and God is loving. God is love, God is holy. God is love, God is just. What are these first two requirements? Act justly, love mercy. We're required to mirror image who God is. He is a God of justice and a God of love. You're to be a person of justice. You're to be a person of love. That's it. Mirror God. It's a requirement. You don't need to pray about it. Act justly, love mercy. Those are doing type things. Third and last requirement of the Holy Spirit today. Walk humbly. Walk humbly with the Holy Spirit. Back to our verse, Micah 6 verse 8. What does the Lord require of you to act justly? That's the first one. And I want you to say these three with me so you never forget them. Firstly, to act justly and to and to with your God. Now, Galatians 5, verse 25, helps us with this walk humbly with your God bit. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Holy Spirit. This walking humbly bit. Um, let me give you an illustration. We live in a beautiful city with terrible tragedy and poverty around us. But beautiful. I mean, Cape Town, I'm not biased when I say somehow God sort of created a little bit of heaven and stuck it in Cape Town in terms of its majesty. We've got mountains, precipices, cliffs, and We've lived there 31 years, and Avril and I have, I think, walked on the mountains twice. So if I were to say, you know, I'm going for a walk, the clouds often come down, but I'm going to walk over these mountains and these precipices, I would be crazy to do that alone. People still get lost with GPSs and Google and everything else. And they fall off precipices. Our doctor's son was walking on the mountains about 18 months ago. And fell down somewhere. And they still haven't been able to retrieve his body. Experienced guy. So if I were to go up in the mountains, I would get somebody who knows where to go. And I would simply keep in step with them. I would simply follow them. I wouldn't say, you know what? I know you know the mountains. I know you know the way. I know you know how to live and walk up here. But I'm going off on this path because, you know what? There's a nice rock I can climb on, and oh, yeah, it's on the edge, but I'm going to do my own thing, and if I fall, so what? No, I would try and keep in step with my guide. That's the requirement of the Christian. 
Keep in step with the Spirit. He walks, you walk. You don't get onto your own little road and say, huh, you know what, God's abandoned me. I don't feel the presence of the Spirit any longer. Hang on, who walked off the path? Who climbed onto the precipice? You did. You keep in step with the Spirit. So now you say, well, I don't know if the Spirit of God is working in my life. There's a command which says, be filled with the Spirit. So that's a command. So what does that mean? In my simple English, being filled with the Holy Spirit is to let the Holy Spirit have all of His way with all of you. That's the definition I've come to over years of sort of Christian experience. You see, we all have parts of our lives that are like, uh, don't touch that, God. You know, don't touch my relationships with my boyfriend or girlfriend or don't touch my stash of money or don't touch my thought life or don't touch this God. You can, you know, don't, my time or my, my, or my sport. We have like these compartments, and we give God like nine out of ten rooms of our house. But mm -mm, that won't, no. To be filled with the Spirit is to let the Spirit of God have all of His way with all of my life, with all of you. So you say, but John, isn't it like a power encounter? You know what, in the mercy and grace of God, sometimes it is. Where people have a dramatic encounter, maybe a second experience, Others have that at conversion. Others don't have that. And I know I've got a bit more time that I'm going to steal in this service. But the other thing I found about this being filled with the Holy Spirit, you know, you remember that myth or fable of the tortoise and the hare who were running a Christian life race? I have found that's a good illustration of the Christian life. Some people in their walk with the Holy Spirit are like the rabbit. And I mean, they just pound forward. They have this sort of dramatic, explosive experience, and wham! They're just empowered, and they suddenly graduate from there to there in their Christian life. And, but then they get stuck, and they stop. And other people in their Christian life are like the solid plodders, like the old tortoise who just goes on and on. Who won the race? Who won that race in the story? The tortoise. The tortoise had learned to keep in step. The rabbit had these good experiences, and I've got no problem with experience. Some personalities just need those injections of power, if I can call it that. But the keeping in step and the solid plodder won the race. So what does it mean then to walk with the Spirit? What does it mean to keep in step with the Spirit? It's continually to let the Holy Spirit continually have all of His way with all of your life. A power encounter, a great experience, my friend. But you have to get on with walking in the Spirit. Sometimes people just talk about... Being filled with the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you, the Scripture tells us, keep walking, keep in step, 
Walk humbly. It's a requirement. Not an option. Well, God, until you zap me, I can't do anything. No, you are required to keep in step. You are required to order your personal walk in such a way that you listen. Okay, God said, mm, do that. Well, I don't think I'm going to do it. God. God said it. Your only issue is to deal with what blocks you. And again, on and do it. So, what is the Spirit of God saying? My great fear is that we can sit through a word from the Spirit of God like this. And we can say, nice talk, and walk out of here and do nothing. You want to know what Jesus would say if he were to walk into this building right now? I'm so sure he would say, love mercy, because his last and final instruction was, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. Do evangelism, if you like, was his great commission. Last words on earth. When a fancy rich guy came along to him, a young guy, you know, he was the guy who drives the Porsche or the Maserati or the whatever guy. I mean, he was. His chariot was better than anybody else's chariot in those days. He came and said, what is, it, what is it that you require of me? And Jesus said, here's the summary. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's almost keeping in step with the Spirit. And love your neighbor as yourself. That's the act justly. Love your neighbor Act justly. Here is the Christian life. Six words. Act justly. Love mercy. Walk humbly. Keep in step. You want to know what to do? There it is. Don't get complicated about your faith. Just do it, as Nike says. Just do it. Oh, but Lord, I've got my whole life ahead of me. I'm just wanting to um, just spend a bit of time chasing this. No, just do it. Oh, Lord, I'm old. I'm retired. Can I get a break on that, God? I mean, can we negotiate? I'll try two of the three. It is what? A requirement. It's not an ask. It is a requirement. I don't know how I'd missed this verse. For me, it's like the Mount Everest of the Bible now. I'd been a pastor for 30 years. I somehow missed this simple little verse. That's about the most challenging of the whole Bible. You've got to figure out what God has said to you. What has the Spirit of God said to you this morning? I want to ask you to bow your head. And I want you to answer this question or to complete this statement in your mind. The Spirit of God has said to me today, 
that I must. We finish that. The Spirit of God has said to me today that I must. What is that? Take a moment to be quiet, to reflect on what he said. Lord, you hear our our thoughts. Help us to turn them into action. I pray, Lord, today that people would step out in faith. I pray, Lord, we would keep up the walk of the Spirit. I pray, Lord, we would be done with excuses. I pray, Lord, that we would be open and transparent in living out the requirements and not explaining why we shouldn't do them. Lord, make us people of bold faith. Make us people of courage. Make us people of simple obedience. Lord, help us to deal with fear. So many of us are like slaves to fear, but what if I open my mouth and say people are going to think I'm crazy? Help us to deal with fear. Lord, what if people see me helping the poor and the needy? Will they think I've gone crazy? Lord, help us to be people of faith and abandoned fear. Lord, what if I, I open my mouth as you speak into my life and I say something that I never thought I'd say? Well, my child, it's a requirement, not an option. Lord, I pray for men and women and boys and girls all over this building. Come, Holy Spirit. Fill us and help us to keep in step with what you've told us to do. In Jesus' name.